welcome to the Child of the Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Guys, something very excited happened last week. <laughs> I officially finished the 400th book in my life and luckily it was such a good one. But I will get a bit more into that later. So in order to celebrate this milestone, I thought I would do a recap. What were some low and highlights, etc. in my reading life? I'm so happy that I recorded all my school reads on Goodreads too. So now I think this 400 number is actually pretty accurate and hits close to the actual mark because as we all know, the children's book phase can sometimes be a bit fuzzy in terms of memory. But I think I should have most of it on my list. So let's see. What is the first one that Goodreads locked down? <laughs> okay, so it is a series that is actually very well known here in Germany. It's Die Wilden Hühner or The Wild Chicks in English by Cornelia Funke. So they have definitely gone international and Cornelia Funke is one, if not the most well-known German children's author. So this is not really a big surprise. It is basically a story about a girlfriend group that forms a sort of gang and they live through different adventures and most importantly also the adventure of growing up with school, daily troubles and love being involved at some point later in the series. So yes, I would say this is definitely a staple for the German girl to grow up with literature wise. So what else? Yes, then at some point the school reads kick in. A lot of classics, I mean, what I'm not counting from my younger child days are audiobooks that I cannot remember anymore. Like I know that I listened to TKKG, which was a series about a group of young children detectives, but I for the life of me would not remember anymore which of the many, many stories it actually were. <laughs> What I can say though, is that I definitely see a trend with the detective stories, because yes, there was TKKG. There was also another series called The Tiger Team by Thomas Bretzener that I really, really enjoyed. He also had a game show back then on TV. And I have to admit, I was a big fan of him as an author and a show host, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, I didn't think of these things in ages. You see, this is why I love doing these podcast episodes. They really dig up old memories. I love that. But of course, no detective journey concerning my life would be complete without mentioning the next few books that are on my Goodreads list, which are actually mangas. The Detective Conan series has been one of my steadiest companions in my life media-wise, apart from Pokemon maybe. <laughs> I just loved it growing up. I enjoyed the storyline about the teenage detective Shinichi Kudo. My international listeners might also know him by Jimmy Kudo, who was tailing a mysterious organization of men dressed in all black. And they give him a drug that shrinks him to his elementary school size. But his wit is still the one of an almost grown up. And not only the plot and the characters, but also the cases that he works on were so beyond everything that I could imagine back then. And I was really, really impressed by how smart this series has been built up. And as so many good old classic manga and anime series, it is not finished yet. So I still read the manga 
I still watch the show, although not as regularly as when I was a child. And what I love about this is that this is a very international series, as it originated in Japan. So while most people from abroad cannot really bond with me over a lot of the books I mentioned before, this is definitely a common ground that is easier to find. For example, with my host sister in China, I could not believe my luck when I was sitting on the living room table going through my contract with her mom and she sat down next to us reading a Detective Conan manga as if it were the most natural thing in the world and I felt at home instantly. What else is there on my Goodreads? Okay, another of Cornelia Funke's books, but this time a standalone called Herr der Diebe or The Thief Lord, which took place in a, for me as a child, very exotic setting which was Venice. I know that now as an adult Venice is not that far away, but as a child this city and its unique build were so... yes, I think exotic is a good word for it, but the characters were so lovable, so you felt good in this setting even though it was so far away from your daily life. And when I visited Venice as an adult a couple of years later, I could definitely see why authors can be so enchanted by the uniqueness of this city and the stories surrounding it. After that, when school reads became more intense, I did not read as much privately, but I would say the next biggest series I consumed then in middle school was Seide und Schwert or Silk and Sword, the trilogy by Kai Meyer, which I already talked about in an earlier episode. Harry Potter came into the picture, of course, and that would accompany me throughout most of my teenage life. What's next? Scrolling down... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> yes, I would definitely call the next one a little milestone in my journey because at some point Twilight entered the stage. <laughs> now hear me out, I was never a diehard fan or anything, I even only read the first book because I was perfectly content with where the story ended and I didn't need the drama going on in the next books, but it definitely opened my eyes for reading beyond children's literature and was sort of what made me tumble through the door that opened up this whole new world of books for a more grown-up audience to me. Don't get me wrong, I know that looking back on it, this love story is extremely problematic and should not be seen as the blueprint for your own perfect romance. But what you really have to give the books credit for is that even girls that were not really big readers started to read and they potentially fell in love with this new hobby, finding other series they enjoyed, etc. And yes, it is not the perfect writing and yes, Edward is a jerk and creepy sometimes, but we should always give the works the credit for what they had for an impact at the time. I think I heard this in Ariel Bisset's poetry documentary that I also made an earlier episode about, where she talks about how society is very quick to dismiss things that young girls enjoy as something that is not worth it or is looked down upon. Hearing that really made me pause and reflect and realize with a certain 
anger almost, that is actually very true. Of course, if my daughter would ever consider to read it, I would try to make it clear that it is not okay to have a creepy stalker boyfriend who breaks into your room at night and watches you sleep. No thank you. But it is enjoyable to read at that age, so why would I make fun of it? I can be critical about it from a more objective point of view, but you have to admit, as a girl growing up, this book was fun to read, especially because I have a very fond memory of reading from the same copy with my best friend on a ski trip. Scrolling further down on Goodreads, I see a lot of school reads popping up and to be honest, yes, there were some lowlights, like, and I try my best to translate them into English. There was Witch Fever by Life Esper Anderson, which was about witch burnings and we read it in fifth grade and my whole class was scarred for life. But there were also ones that I enjoyed, like Wilhelm Tell, Frankenstein or Maria Stewart. Before I switched from middle school to high school, I had this one summer when I quit swimming as a sport because I would not be able to pursue it in my new school to the extent that I did before. So I had a lot of time on my hands that summer break and I chilled at our local community pool and read in the shade of a tree. I binged this series that starts with the first installment called The Strawberry Picker, Der Erdbepflücker by Monika Feit, about a young woman and her friend that investigate the murder of their best friend and they stumble into this detective plotline. Wow, reminiscing about all of this, there really is a strong detective theme going on. I wonder why I never pursued that as a career. Hmm. Maybe I subconsciously knew that I did not really want to see the depths of what humans can do to each other in real life. I don't know. But reading about it has, as you see, fascinated me from a very young age. And then, three years later, after a lot of school reads, I had this sudden urge to read a very classic fantasy. I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Little Hobbit, but... And I know this is a super controversial opinion. I didn't really vibe with J.R.R. Tolkien's writing style. I respect him very deeply for what he did for the genre and that he invented an entire language. I mean, come on, that is pretty epic. But in terms of writing and describing his fantasy world, I don't know. I felt that I was missing a lot of description along the way. Maybe it wasn't very helpful that I was such a fan of the movies and I was astounded by how wide the gap between the on-screen version and the written description of the world was. <laughs> I don't know guys, sorry, it just simply wasn't for me. The next chapter I already talked about in detail. This was my whole spiral from reading the Hunger Games through reading the Aragon series and binging the Game of Thrones books. It was a wild ride, but it was so important to shape me into a reader. You can hear this in my previous episodes, but I think looking quickly down my Goodreads list, there's only one bigger series in between this point in life that I described reading-wise so far. 
in this episode and the moment where I discovered book videos on YouTube and when everything snowballed very quickly. And that is again a crime series that is actually written by a local author from where I grew up. And all the murder mysteries were taking place in our area. So this was really exciting because it transitioned me into mature crime reading, but anchored me in a surrounding that I knew very well. So this was actually pretty great. It's the crime novels by Nele Neuhaus for everyone who might be interested, but I assume a lot of my German listeners have already heard about them. And then, as I already said, everything really kicked into motion when I discovered that there were some international YouTubers who talked about books and that really opened up also so many English books to me and really broadened my horizon. Because like it or not, unless it is Harry Potter, the odds are that the book is first published in English and then gets translated and hits German bookstores a couple of months, if not years later. So I wanted to be a part of the hype as it was happening and not while it was already over on an international scale. Because most of my reading happened after this point, I could go on and on about the books that I read in the past five to six years, but for the sake of the length of this episode and because they are an ongoing topic in my other episodes anyway, I will just dive into the real high and low lights here. Luckily, there were not many lowlights as I usually do my research on a synopsis and whether it might be something that I would really enjoy. But there are two that instantly come to mind that I read and really, really did not enjoy. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I know that people who saw the staged production said that it was absolutely incredible, but just judging it as a book and the plot and the way the old characters that you know from the original series behaved was absolutely not what I would have wished for. I don't know why we had to have this sequel in our lives, to be honest. And then the other book that I really wasn't vibing with was The Power by Naomi Alderman. We read this for our book club and the synopsis per se sounds very cool. That suddenly women have the ability to control electric pulses that give them a new unprecedented power and suddenly there's this huge power shift in our society where suddenly men are seen as the inferior sex. I would have loved to read this as a form of societal studies, but I really could not stand the writing. It was so hard to power through, but I did it for the book club, guys, all for the book club. Luckily, this is heavily outweighed by the fantastic books I read and that were recommended to me through the internet mostly. I think I will do an upcoming episode about all of my favorite resources to get book inspiration from. But throughout the past five to six years, I have read some incredible pieces, just to name a few of my very favorites. The Mistborn series by Brendan Sanderson, The Swarm by Frank Schätzing, Animal Farm by George Orwell, Warcross by Marie Lu, The Illuminae Files by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, The An Ember in the Ashes series by Sabata Heer, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, an abundance of crime novels by Agatha Christie, especially surrounding Hercule Poirot, and also the Xavier Kiefer crime novels by Tom Hillenbrandt, Three Dark Crowns by Kendara Blake, We Are the Ants by Sean David Hutchinson, 
Strange the Dreamer by Lainey Taylor, the Stalking Jack the Ripper series by Carrie Maniscalco, the Hate You Give in generally all novels by Angie Thomas, Almond by Won Pyong Sun, The Merciful Crow by Margaret Owen, Lovely War by Julie Berry, and last but not least, my 400th book I ever read, which was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I could talk so much about each and every one of these books, but as I'm sure they already have come up or will definitely come up in the next episodes, I will keep it at a list format here. If you are interested in any of the ones I just mentioned, as always, I will include the covers on my Instagram in my podcast story highlight. So this is it, guys. Over 400 books in 27 years. Some were great, some not so much, <laughs> but I am very grateful for for each one because in whatever way may it be big or small they all had an impact on me and shaped me into the reader and the person that I have become and that I will turn out to be moving forward. Wow, why are these talks always getting so deep towards the end? I really lose myself in my thoughts sometimes but I hope you could follow me along. In my meet the character section, I want to go a little more into detail about the main character in the 400th book I read. Her name is Nora and at this point it is appropriate for me to mention that the book The Midnight Library by Matt Haig has a trigger warning for a suicide attempt. Usually these trigger warnings are kind of spoilery, but this literally happens in the first chapter, so it should be fine. <laughs> but what happens in this book is that Nora feels sort of stuck in her life. She had a lot of promise growing up. She was very good at competitive swimming and could have had a shot at the Olympics if she hadn't quit, which is also the reason why she didn't get along with her dad at some point. Her mother has died already and she's estranged with her brother because they used to be in a band together and he wanted to try it professionally but she backed out. So in general she feels very lonely, very unaccomplished and a series of bad events lead to her making the decision that she wants to die. So she attempts to be finally released of her burden but her consciousness suddenly finds herself in a library that contains all of the possible lives she could have lived lived. I don't want to get too much into detail because I think one part of the fun is to explore these lives together with Nora without knowing them up front. But let me tell you, it ponders some important questions about regret, what ifs and how sometimes we have regrets for no reason because we did not know the full picture. I know it starts in a very dark place, but the good thing is that it can only go up from that rock bottom, so don't be discouraged by that. I promise you it will get better and the last chapter and the conclusions she has for herself and how she grows as a character are very uplifting and overall made it so worth it for me to follow her along, even if you as me are content with your life, it will uplift and encourage you even further, nonetheless. And now for the last but not least section concerning the bookish question. For today's episode, I did pick it on a whim like I usually do because I really had to do some thinking about this one. 
What is the best first line in the book that comes to mind? I have to admit, I usually don't pay too much attention to first lines. <laughs> Unless they really stick out to me, I mostly have no recollection of what they were once I'm a few paragraphs into the book. So this one was really hard for me. But I thought I would do it a bit differently and not choose one that I have already read, but from a book that has yet to come out, but where the first sentence really hooked me on the story. The line I chose is... <clears throat> Books don't work their magic on me anymore. I mean, isn't this so sad for everyone who is an avid reader? <laughs> When I heard this line, I really wanted to know which book it belonged to and it originates from Nicola Yoon's new release called Instructions for Dancing that is published on the 3rd of June and where we follow our main character Evie who is sort of done with love in her life and gets even more encouraged by that when she suddenly develops the ability to see couples start and how their relationship ends. So she knows automatically whether they will break up and surely that makes her question whether the hustle is actually worth it at all. But she meets a guy and they enter a ballroom dance competition apparently, so this is definitely going to be more of a fluffy romance rather than a dance fantasy like I usually tend to read. But I think it's good to switch things up a little and at least concerning my first lines, it has hooked me right from the start. So this is it guys, my 11th episode is at a close. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you also know a few of the books I mentioned previously. If you want me to dive a little deeper into any of the mentioned books, just let me know. And also if you have a bookish question that you want me to answer in the end, also write me. I am super excited for my next episode because if everything goes according to plan, it will be about a very different bookish topic. I don't want to spoil too much, but I will once again not be alone on the podcast. Until next time, I hope that we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye!